Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone. I am Brent Ridgeway, and welcome to another edition of the Spotlight on Speaking show. And I'm excited today to reconnect with a, a person that I've probably known for 15 years, but we haven't been in touch a lot over the last few years. But uh, our worlds are colliding again, so to speak. So my guest today is is Authority Amplifier Melanie Benson, who's the host of the top 1.5% podcast, Amplify Your Success. She helps experts stop being a best-kept secret as they become a highly paid authority. Since 2000, she has helped online business owners, course creators, speakers, and service professionals use her proven strategies, easy for me to say, to stand out in a crowded market, create a magnetic message that generates a flood of ideal leads, and exponentially increase revenues by leveraging their unique business superpower. Melanie is also co-host of the Next Level Influence podcast, She's the author of Rewired for Wealth, co-author of Voices of the 21st Century, and Entrepreneur.com's Startup Guide to Starting an Information Marketing Business. And her success tips are featured in Bloomberg, Business Week, LifeWire, Women's Day, and Parenting Magazine. I got to ask you about Parenting Magazine, how that comes into play here. But I'm not even a parent. (laughs) Melanie's a member of the Association of Transformational Leaders. Melanie integrates practical growth strategy along with heart-based coaching to create a unique accelerator for coaches consultants, course creators, and service providers ready to shatter their earning limits. She uses her master's degree in organizational management, along with her training in NLP, her coach training and 10 years of Fortune 500 experience to propel entrepreneurs to their next level. Welcome, Melanie Benson, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Thank you, Brad. It's really nice to reconnect. And gosh, it has been a while, uh, too long. And what about like podcasts become that great opportunity to reconnect and you don't even have to get on an airplane? Yeah, that, that's so true. And I've been fortunate to interview because I know so many people in the industry well, you know, some fantastic people over the last couple of months. As this show gets ready to launch formally in about eight days so i'm getting ahead of the game here but you know melanie i want to dive into your experience a little bit more because that's that's why we're here to learn about people's journeys and what they've done along the way that have helped key them to success so i know i know you've been in the industry for a while but you know when did you get first involved in speaking either as a core business of yours or as a tool simply to build your brand and make more people aware of you 
Well, I started my business in 2000 and I started speaking pretty quickly because I started to, I, I recognized that speaking is a way to build authority. It's a great way to build your own audience because you're in front of audiences and those audiences are going to want to uh, learn and grow with you. And I was facilitating a local event every month. Uh, and by doing that, I was getting exposure to a lot of really big name experts and speakers in our industry. And it just kind of naturally happened. But Brett, like little known fact, I was speaking way before, back in my corporate days. Um, I did tours. <laughs> There's this thing called Total Customer Satisfaction that came mm -hmm. out of Japan. And, you know, I was uh, leading these groups and then having to speak in front of audiences of 500 to 1,000 people to share those uh, results that we were creating for the company. And let me tell you, I was terrified, but I knew, I knew deep down inside that I was going to have to learn how to do this and conquer my shyness a bit and, and learn how, but we'll just say the early days were a bit of a train wreck. It was uh, like progress over perfection. <laughs> and I'm glad I did though, because it was uh it was a real game changer for me uh, in building my own success. So what prompted the move from corporate America to doing your own thing? Uh, well, that's like a whole story in itself. I mean, I, I don't know that I was ever cut out to work for someone else. I just didn't know what else to do with myself in the beginning. And I always felt like I was like a star peg, you know, the little kids, uh, those little, um, you know, like whack-a-mole kind of things where you're yeah. like knocking the pegs into the board and I, I always felt like a, like a star shape and I was trying to fit into the normal whole shapes, like a square and a circle. And I never fit. And I was not really enjoying my path there. And I, I just felt like my fire was dimming and, it, and, it, you know, long story short, I, my company started uh, working with Stephen Covey and they started to get coach training for their leadership team. And when I started being coached by my leadership team, instead of being managed by them, I came to life. Like I felt this feeling I'd never had before. And I thought, I want to be able to do that for other people. And so I, I went and got coach training and I really fell in love with it. And that was kind of my, my catalyst moment of, I, I think I meant to be an entrepreneur. My, my parents early on and my, my grandparents were small business owners. They, they were entrepreneurs. And I think it was always in my blood. So I like to say, Melanie, that there's three types of speakers. One is the keynote speaker who's obviously paid a fee to deliver a presentation to a corporation or an association. The second is what I call the platform seller, that person that gets to, you know, goes to a multi-speaker event and delivers content, but then pitches some type of product or service. And then the third type, in my mind, is the business owner who's just using it as a marketing tool to build awareness for their primary brand. So they're not necessarily selling from the stage directly, but it's about, you know, brand awareness and all that. So which of those arenas have you played in and which one do you like the best? Mm -mm. What a great question. Uh, I've done all of them and I prom primarily spend most of my time in the third using it as marketing development. I, I've never really been comfortable with the hard sell from the stage model. That was never my most authentic and most powerful place to play. Although I have done it and I've done it really well and has have had great results. I found that when I could take that pressure off of having to sell from the stage, 
uh, I was m the most myself and I had the most impact on the audience. And I ended up getting the most high ticket uh, clients who wanted to work with me later. And typically what I would do is have arrangement with the host that any sales that came through after for a certain period of time, you know, I would uh -huh. give a commission back to them. And so I, I guess maybe this is where I'm a bit of a rule breaker. Like I like to find ways to add massive value into the event and to the audience without having to follow one of the, key, you know, those three strategies. And oftentimes uh, it was a hybrid, like they'd fly me in and pay my expenses. I would deliver a talk or a workshop that had massive value that really leaned on the topic that they were covering. And then we would have an agreement on back in sales, uh, you know, from leads that would come from their event. Mm -hmm. And that was my sweet spot. And it still is. I love that the most. So a lot of the speakers that I talk with, Melanie, have reinvented themselves many times. So I mean, obviously, coming out of the corporate world into your own business, doing your thing was was in a, a reinvention in itself. But I've had speakers who have reinvented themselves many times in terms of the audience they focus on. So, ha have you reinvented yourself during your speaking career in any way? And what ni niche or niches have you played in, and, and do you play in today primarily? Oh yeah. I think if you're an entrepreneur and you've been in the business as long as I have, yes, you are evolving, which means you're going to continue to reinvent your business and your brand. You know, I had my first business for about, or I should say the first version of my business for about 10 years. And after about 10 years, I was really, you know, the industry was changing. I was kind of not lit up by the concepts I was teaching at that point. And I was looking for something fresher and more aligned with what lit me up, which is like, I, I really love teaching people how to shatter limits. Like the, it's just my jam. And um, I also had to really start looking at who do I really want to work with? Like, who are the clients that are my, you know, some people call them soulmate clients or dream clients. I started to realize that I only like time's short, like life sometimes is never as long as we think it's going to be. And I only wanted to work with really amazing clients. And so I started to retool my, my business a couple of times and I, I honed in, honed in, honed in, Oop, not that. Okay. More of this. And I I've spent the last 10 years really reshaping the work I do to only working with people who have an expertise they have a body of work that they've learned either through tr being trained or the school of hard knocks like me, and they want to teach it and make a greater impact. And they want to make a good income in the process. Mm -hmm. And they know developing their influence and being able to shine their light brighter is a part of that puzzle. And those are my sweet spot clients. And even in the last year, I've even leaned a bit more on uh, exclusively working with premium high ticket clients because I can, and, and I have the expertise and it's more fun for me because I can deep dive with them and get them the best possible results. So my clients are doubling and tripling their revenue. They're landing deals. They never imagined possible. They're shattering these preconceived ideas of who they were going to be and what kind of success they have. And I just, I love the deep dive with them. So yeah. I reinvented myself several times. Sometimes it was painful, <laughs> you know, it took a lot longer. It wasn't necessarily what I, what I imagined, but you know, the work I do today is such a perfect alignment with me, 
who I am and my own superpowers. And I'm really, I'm glad I've ended up here. So we talked about the three different speaking models, Melanie, and you're, you prefer most the, call it the brand building speaker type of scenario. Yeah. So in that arena, what do you th feel that your maybe three biggest keys to success have been? Um, so what a great question. I think the first one is the ability to find the problem or the, the need inside of the industry norms. And what I mean by that is, and this is how I've always built my speaking and my, my authority presence is I look at the kind of the industry um, norms and trends. And I say, what is the problem that's being created by this particular messaging or this body of work? And how am I uniquely uh, positioned to solve it? And so I'm leaning into the problem that's being created by other experts. And what that does is leads me to kind of the second tip, which is it opens up collaboration where previously it might have felt like there was a competitive overlap yeah. and those doors would stay shut. Mm -hmm. It actually opens the door to co-create, uh, you know, programs or, you know, strategically promote each other's offerings, invite each other to each other's podcasts or to each other's stages. And I think it's like a turbocharger for collaboration and, and uh, partner promotion. And then I think the third thing is, and, um, you know, I, I think that, well, there's actually four that I want to say, but the third one is we actually have to stay uniquely tuned into our authentic voice. Uh -huh. hmm. This, this is a major mistake I made and I may be jumping ahead a little bit. That's all right. Uh, I, I studied with a lot of speaker trainers. I really, I wanted to get good at speaker training and I, I mean, uh, um, uh, you know, selling from the stage and, you know, being able to like really make an in impact, whatever platform I was in, but man, did I make some massive mistakes trying to integrate other people's styles. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I stayed uniquely tuned into me, my message, and I learned how to be the most powerful version of myself, even if it was different than what other yeah. people were doing successfully, I was more impactful. I was more inspiring. People wanted more of what I had. I would have a waiting list of events that, you know, were inviting me to come and speak. And that was, um, I think that's really not always misunderstood because there's a lot of trainings that say, follow my cookie cutter, follow this system because it works for me. And we don't know how to integrate that and make it us. And so that was a mistake that I think really is a tip we have to remember. We need to be the most powerful version of ourselves. Yeah, I think that's so true. I don't know how many speakers, Melanie, I've heard. I said, oh, there's a Harvecker protege. Yeah. You know, the language is the same. The mannerisms are the same. And it's just not, not the way to go, I think. So I do have some other questions I want to ask you, Melanie. But before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world and now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world? If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie.
And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show. And my guest this week is Melanie Benson. And so, Melanie, this is probably my favorite question to ask my guest. And that is, bear your soul a little bit here and, and share some another embarrassing mistake or mistakes that maybe that you made along the way that you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to make. And you can't use the same one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I gave one a little bit earlier. Um, so there, I don't remember exactly the debacle, but there's been a couple. <laughs> um, you know, one time I was invited to speak to an event at, at an event and I didn't do my due diligence and really vet the event. Mm-hmm. And I was invited by a client. And so again, like kind of like leaning on the mistake I was mentioning earlier, where I, I like was trying to emulate successful things I saw other people do. I went into this um, event that I had been hired to come and do. And like, I didn't understand my audience. I didn't understand what it was they were really struggling with. And I was just trying to bring my, like what I do and like kind of have some fun with the audience. Oh my God, it was a train wreck. (laughs) So embarrassed because of course I'm one of the people that I really want to get it right. And I want to do a good job every time. I I don't really like the, the in the moment learnings, (laughs) although it was a great learning. And, um, you know, I remember looking into that audience and saying, yeah, they, um, they don't get this. Like I'm not tuning into their problem here. I'm not, there's no rapport that's coming to to connect. And so I, the learning in that moment was don't just rely on the person inviting you to tell you what they think you should do really understand that audience. And, and at that moment, I I realized like, these are not my people anyway. I don't want to book gigs like this unless I'm just doing a kind of a standard paid keynote, which is more inspiring. So that, that was one of a few. <laughs> Another really big one was going on tour in Australia. And uh, I was the only female on this tour of like 10 to 12 other men. And um, again, like I didn't really have my positioning of my talk dialed into the audience. And I assumed that the Australian market would be very similar to me or to our audience. And they weren't. So quick learning. <laughs> Had to really pivot quickly on that one. So, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned this doing your due diligence as a mistake because it's, it's a common thing I've actually heard over a few interviews recently. So how do you advise a, a new speaker to, how, do they, how do you do that due diligence in the right way? How do you really find out mm-hmm. what that crowd is and what their pain points are and all of that? I mean, it sounds, yes, yes, yeah. do that, but how do you do that? Well, you know, it's it's not always easy. I'll, I'm, I'm the first to say, like, I don't always get it right, but um I, there's some standard questions I've learned to ask. And I actually don't say yes to a lot of in-person events unless they're willing to pay my travel because um, I'm finding that a lot of event hosts don't really know how to build their audiences and they're hoping you're going to do it for them. But that being said, um, you have to decide, first of all, what risk are you willing to take to get in front of a new audience? Like how much are you willing to put in it? Are you willing to put your travel costs into it? Are you willing to pay for what we call a sponsorship spot? Meaning you're investing somewhere between 500 and maybe $5,000 for the privilege to speak in front of an audience of your ideal clients. Are they your ideal clients? Or is this an audience of people who are actually could be auction takers in front of you? And then I'm, 
Brett, I even dig a little bit deeper. I ask things like, well, how many times have you hosted this? What are you going to do to fill your event? Uh, I'm asking a lot of really poignant questions. I got invited to speak at an event at the end of 2022. And I was thinking like, this is a really awkward date for people to say yes to an event. Like, this doesn't feel like a good fit for me. And she's like, yeah, we'll have 100 people at the event. And I go, have you ever hosted an event on this in this week before? And she's like, no, but I know I'm always looking for an event. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if I'm paying all the expenses and you've never done this before, that's not really where I'm going to invest my time, money, and energy. And so really it's like reverse engineer. What are the things you need to know to make sure this feels like a good fit when you're in that room, on that stage, in front of that audience, offering whatever it is you're going to offer? Yeah, by and large, Melanie, I find that event promoters are, and liars is not the right word, but they're overly optimistic about the number yeah. of people they can put yes. into an event. So if they yes. tell you there's going to be 100, if they're 15 to 20, that's probably what it's really going to be. <laughs> if they tell you there's going to yeah. be 500, you know, you're lucky if there's, you know, 70 in the room. So do, do <laughs> go and go with your eyes open, guys. So, yeah. And, and again, know what the bottom line is for you. Everybody's doing their best. Like nobody's trying to mislead you, but they need talent in the room and you need an audience. And so figure out like, what's the bear, what is the thing you need to have happen to make it a good fit for you? So when you've sold from the platform, Melanie, what have you found your sweet spot to be in terms of pricing? Hmm. I don't know that I could fairly answer that today because the market's so different than the last big like event I spoke at and did event sales. What I found, so let me just tell you what's worked the best for me is when my offer is embedded in someone else's offer hmm. and I am speaking on the stage as a value add and, and part of this, what we might just say, the authority uh, panel or the expertise that people are that are coming in for the draw, that has worked the best for me. And it's not always going to be something someone wants to do, but when we do do it, it's very powerful. But um, typically what I have found yeah. is I have been able to sell something from $2,000 to $500 really easily. Mm -hmm. And it, again, it always went back to the quality of the audience. And how many other people are speaking and selling and where am I in the lineup? So uh, one of my other things will always was if I'm speaking to sell and that's how our partnership is for that event, I want to be on the second day. Mm -hmm. That's my sweet spot. So when you do something enough and you know what the, the trajectory of the event is, you start to know where does, does your power have the most impact? I always knew that on the afternoon or the early, early afternoon or late afternoon of the second day was my sweet spot because the event host has usually been able to build a trajectory of problems and pain. And like they've established like where the growth opportunities are. And they are often bringing me in to do a mindset training. Sometimes I'm doing something else like podcasting, but I'm the solution and so they need to have had enough time understanding what their own gap is for me to be effective. Well, you mentioned podcasting, Melanie. So if we have a few minutes extra here, I can get from you. Uh, let, let's dive into that a little bit. I know you're a podcast sure. host yourself. So from your perspective, what makes for a great podcast guest? 
Yeah. So let's just say that if you have expertise and you are not being a guest on other people's podcasts, you're leaving some money and opportunity on the table right now. Um, and just because you're great at speaking from the stage does not mean you're going to be a great host or a guest because the guest experience is not delivering a talk. It is a, um, it is a dance with the host going back and forth and making sure the host has like a real great understanding of what you do so they can ask powerful questions, just like you're doing right now, Brett, and your host needs to set you up. And so what you need to be able to do is three things. One, you need to have a really unique and powerful title and topic that, um, is what that audience is hungry for, which means you got to do some research to, you need to be able to answer in sound bites. Hmm. Um, speakers are used to speaking from the stage and either a, somewhere between a 10 and a 50 minute segment usually. And so they tend to just to deliver monologues. But when you are dialoguing with a, with a host, you want to know how to like bounce back and forth and create meaningful sound bites and and um, intrigue people so they want more from you. And that means that the last thing is you need to be able to weave together talking points that make people want to take action because oftentimes people are listening to a podcast while they're multitasking, right? So they're driving, they're at the gym. You want them to either stop and take action so they don't forget or make it meaningful enough that they circle back when they get to their mobile device or their computer and can say, right. oh my gosh, I want that thing that that person just talked about. So how long have you been doing the podcasting thing then, Melanie? Well, actually, I mean, you know, teleseminars were a form of podcast sure. before that technology emerged and yeah. I, I've been doing that forever, but I started my first podcast in 2000. It was late 2009, and I think we launched in early 2010. And I put that first podcast to bed because <laughs> I stopped <laughs> loving it. But um, yeah, I start. This is the sixth year of Amplifier Success, so wow. six years with this one. So ten, really, like it's been a decade. Well, we're speaking with an industry pro here today, folks, and I do so appreciate you dancing with me today, Melanie. So, <laughs> if people want to find out more about your podcast or how to get into your world. What should they do? Yeah, if you go to melaniebenson.com forward slash speaker success, what I'll do is I'll share with you what's called my seven step framework. And this is a seven step framework that really kind of takes what we talked about today and packages it so you know how all those puzzle pieces fit together. And this is a framework of how I use speaking and podcasts and other leverage of other people's platforms in a win-win way to add another 125,000 to 500,000 a year in new revenue. And that this is how we can lean into our superpower and really collaborate with great people like Brad and other people who are hosting shows and events and turn it into a massive win for everybody. And so melaniebenson.com forward slash speaker success. All right, we'll make sure that's down in the show notes, everybody. So Melanie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom. And speaking to that, any final words of wisdom for the aspiring speaker out there? You know, I think a lot of people get in their head about speaking and they're like, oh my God, I have to figure so much out. And, you know, yes, you do. I think it's nice to be able to have a way to frame your stuff, but sometimes you just got to get out there and start doing it. Like there are people out there that need to hear your message. They're searching for the solution you're uniquely qualified to, to provide. 
And if we want to make a greater impact, we need to be visible in the places that people are searching for solutions. So get out there, get visible and get magnetic with your message. And you're going to see a huge payoff in your own business. All right. Well, thank you so much, Melanie. As always, everybody, I wish you the greatest success in all that you do. If you haven't been to brettridgeway.com, hop on over there, pick up a copy of my free special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. And then be on the lookout for the new book coming out soon called How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. should be available mid-March. But again, thank you, Melanie. I appreciate you much. And everybody, as always, May 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.